Two Jack Rolls! Two Jack Rolls! Are you a good delegator? Um, I'm never really in a position to delegate that much. I, I teach, so you yeah. know, you're always giving students assignments, but that's not supervised. Not a supervisor. Do you do any like Monday morning delegation? Like you like look at the delegation that's happening. You're like, nah, but a delegate is so different. <laughs> no one for me to delegate to. I'm at the I'm at the bottom rung of my department. I. Uh, but you don't to... you don't see delegation happening. Is that how far away from delegation you are? You seen? Do I do I see delegation yeah. happening? Um, you, I mean, no, because we've been working remote for the last <laughs> few years. I've <laughs> seen anything. I don't see too much uh, corporate structure or anything. It's not like I tell the dog what to do. He doesn't listen. <laughs> not that he had any skills to begin with. Yeah, I wonder if that's like representative to like your power in the company. Like how far away from delegating you are. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Like, because you, you, you laugh at that, like, with, uh, like, because <laughs> you're in delegation meetings. Yeah. <laughs> I do a lot of delegating. Yeah. I get, I get work, I get, like, work requests and I have to send them to people. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I have some stuff at my job that I need to delegate, but there's just no, so it just doesn't, <laughs> it's just not getting done. And I told somebody I was going to do it. And they're like, you sure you want to do it? And I was like, yeah, I'll do it. And then, I started doing it, and I was like, "This is this is below my pay grade, but there's no pay grade <laughs> below me, <laughs> so it just doesn't get done." <laughs> I need like an intern or assistant or something, but I don't know who who that is. <laughs> that's pretty. That's that's quite a conundrum. Yeah, <laughs> there's nobody here that makes low enough amount of money to do this work but i need it done <laughs> i mean we're in a weird it's like why are the toilets clogged i don't know we don't have a lower cast at this, at this company everyone's equal so we don't have toilets <laughs> yeah that's funny um See, i'm just in charge of the lower class yeah. cast that's yeah. all i'm like well we'll take care of your toilets <laughs> <laughs> do you uh do you ever meditate I try. It doesn't. I can't do it just with the breathing. I have to do it. I have to like go into my head. That's the only way I can relax. I have to like you have close to my eyes. Yourself. Yeah, I have to like the only the way that I can like clear Spin my a head. Spin a dreidel. <laughs> no, I I go into my head and I like just like really focus on like seeing mental images, and then I can get lost in that. But like, I can't get lost in the in the breathing. Like images of landscapes or images of it's like all kinds of things. I don't know. It's like you'll see. It's mostly like clouds and water and little. You'll Parts see outlines. Of landscapes. Yeah, <laughs> the whole thing. No, but it's like outlines of people that not. I don't know. It's weird. I just gotta do it because I can focus on it and it takes me out of you know anxiety. So if, if you don't mind me asking, is what you're doing? Uh, you're like looking off into the void and whatever kind of weird shape that occurs, you just allow yourself to see that and, and attach it to something. Well, not, not, I close my eyes. Yeah. And so images come up, you know, in the darkness and I just kind of try to focus on them because they're like very, what's the word I'm looking for? They're, they're fickle. Like if I don't like hold on to it, the images will disappear. And it's, and I would have realized it's not really holding on to it. I have to kind of like, release myself and let myself like kind of go off into this it's kind of like a like you know when people die and you like go off into a light yeah if i do it intensively enough i haven't done this in a long time i can enter into a lucid dream okay but those are terrifying 
<laughs> I cannot I cannot go into my head while my brain knows I'm in there. It'll attack me. <laughs> like a bunch of Agent Smiths. Yeah, come after you. basically. That's like an, an inception. Like remember when they yeah. found out it was like they were like, Who is this lady? It's not supposed to be and they just yeah, try to rip her that part. Yeah. That's what my psyche does. It does not like me going in there. Man, do you ever accidentally slip into that uh like an Agent Smith when you're meditating? Do you ever see them? Do you ever, do you ever feel like they're coming? No, I, it's just like a, uh, there's like a feeling of dread while you're meditating. Yeah. Well, it's not really <laughs> meditation. Well, it's like, if I go into the lucid dream, it's like, I get, it's like, I feel it. it it's like, I guess I have a lot of negative thoughts and like, I can hold them really? at bay. You? Yeah. <laughs> I can hold them at bay when I'm just like living my life. But if I just go into my brain, it's like, now you're, now I'm surrounded I'm in there with those thoughts, so it's kind of harder to avoid them. I think this is gonna be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about this. So do you, you, you know what we do here, right? I mean, do you have an idea what we do here? I have an idea. I was reading the description and I'm looking at the <laughs> stuff. Yeah, it's all here. on the wall. It's looks like it's I'm no, about to. No secret. I feel like I'm about to get audited by like, <laughs> Scientology. <laughs> That's basically what this yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> it's, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, what we're really trying to do is uh, prove that you can have an inappropriate sense of humor and still reach enlightenment. And so we just drag another human through the process of enlightenment <laughs> and we absorb everything we can collaterally. So we don't have to do it ourselves. <laughs> I'm really into Taoism. Yeah? Yeah. I used to read a lot about that. And I actually have a comedy book called The Tao of Comedy. And yeah. it goes into like, it like talks about stand up, mostly like performing and writing from like, a Taoist perspective. Okay, what, uh, what, how would you describe, what was your tagline for Taoism? Um, just kind of, it's like the thing with where I'm talking about when I focus on those images in my head and just trying to go into them, it's kind of like letting go and, you know, not fighting it or trying to force it. Yeah. And just kind of being, which is, I think what happens when I get into my brain and things start to get, haywire and i get scared i think that's me like getting like a little bit of like a negative feeling and like starting to resist and like i gotta get out of here okay ansley hold on uh brandon and i are gonna have to have a little discussion about taglines <laughs> <laughs> oh sorry i got lost <laughs> so like a Taoism tagline yeah i'm not good at writing copy so <laughs> i'm having this problem right now with my show what, is, is Taoism a yin yang thing uh, no, not exactly. It's like it's just like an overall f- philosophy of just kind of not forcing things. Okay, just trying to just be. All right. So, oh, okay. So your okay, now I get your other description. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I got it. All right. So let's do this. You ready for this? Yeah. All right. So everybody gets the same questions. Okay. So, uh, what experience or situation do you feel like has given you the most information? The most information. Yeah, and you answer that however it hits you. Uh, most information. Yeah. Especially like if it's information that you use going forward in life. Like, like what experience gave you that information? Um, I think uh, grad school... When I went to grad school, because it was like a, I actually just wrote an article about this. It was kind of a, a it's not a, a word, I don't think, a conflation. I'm just going to make a word up. 
a conflation. Conflation's a word. Yeah, maybe. Of different things I was experiencing new at the same time, which was going to grad school and dealing with the kind of rigor of academic research at a high level. Um, and then also was doing stand up and I was I think two years in at the time, so I was learning a lot about stand up um at the same time. And I was also going to the school gym every day and working on my jump shot very intensively. <laughs> <laughs> and those three things kinda of, kind of like it kind of tangled together all at once where I kind of realized same thing with like Taoism is like the secret to really performing and and in the moment and being real and genuine is to let go and just do. And that was like the thing with, especially with shooting the basketball for years. I was holding on to the ball, holding on to the ball. (laughs) (laughs) Pump it, pump it, pump it, pump it. Damn, Kobe, shoot the ball. <laughs> yeah, basically, and I just like I'd always thought of basketball in terms of form. Yeah, right. And Rather than flow. Yeah, and so I was always like worried about where my hands were and where my knees were, and like and how my feet were placed. And I was trying to do this while I was shooting. I didn't know that you were. Nobody ever told me anything, so <laughs> I didn't know you weren't supposed to like try to perform and think about it at the same time. Yeah, and I didn't realize that until. I was studying linguistics and was studying the structure of English language, which is my native language, obviously. And I learned all these things about the English language that are automatic for me. Yeah. Because I'm a native speaker. But there was things that I, like grammar functions that I used that I had no idea that I was using them. Like, what do you mean? Like uh, the present perfect. Okay, what so is that? Present perfect. <laughs> yeah. Wait, wait, no, wait, yeah. hold on. Ansley, can you give me a sentence in the present perfect, please? Um, I, I am, um, I will be going no. to. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, wh- what is the? What is I the, am going. No, that's the. Uh, that's the present progressive. Okay. Yeah. I, uh, uh. <laughs> okay. So <laughs> he's he's laughing down at us. No, right no, 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 no. Because you know, I was at the I was at the same place you were when I was going to grad school. I didn't know any of this. I felt really weird. I'm just like, this is my language. Yeah. I remember learning yeah. this in like the as far as I got in Spanish. They were trying to teach me this, yeah. and I was like, I don't know what it is in English. Like, I can't learn it. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the pre- give me a, a present person? So it's like I have been yeah. talking to you for the last 10 minutes okay oh so you're describing exactly what we're still doing in this moment yeah so it's that, perfectly in the present yeah <laughs> there's like a reason why it's got called the perfect and every time i read it or someone explains to me i'm like i still don't get it i think that's the way yeah. i'll remember it now like perfectly in the present yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah i think it has something to do with completion but it's not completion so it's usually describing things you started in the past and are still doing yeah okay. something yeah. that's like ongoing yeah in the moment uh-huh um, so it's like a relative grammar and it is very complicated as far as trying to teach people to use it explicitly, but it's like, I've been using it my whole life. You know, a baby, you know, a two year old will might be able to use it, but they don't know that that's what they're doing. It's just kind of an automatic thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's the same someone who like, if you grew up playing a sport or basketball or soccer, a lot of that stuff is going to be automatic. You don't think about it. Yeah, well, and, that, that's yeah. what all the, the drilling is for. Yeah, 
and I think I had never drilled anything before. You know, <laughs> I never like had like uh you know actually. I thought practice and and doing were the same thing. I didn't I didn't know how to separate them. You were Iverson. <laughs> <laughs> That's the opposite. He thought that he Iverson thought there was no practice. There is no. He's always playing, and if it doesn't count, why am I doing it? Well, that's why it was all the same thing for him. Yeah. It was like practice. Dude, I, I play. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, so that's what – all right. That's a, that's a really um, – okay, so, again, so your, your, your most informed experience was the culmination of all the things that was happening to you at grad school. Yeah. Being uh, grad school, one, like learning how to actually research, mm-hmm. uh, comedy, all the things that you were learning about communication and making mm-hmm. people laugh, and ball. Yeah. Right. Yes. <laughs> but I, I had to because of my learning style. I, I am an academic at heart. I had to learn it intellectually in order to be able to to be able to go up on stage and be like, I'm just going to let go and perform because yeah. I know that I know intellectually that that's the correct way to do it. But I never would have figured that out by doing it. Okay, I had, I had a similar experience. Like when I when I uh, really got my jump shot good, it was uh, first of all it was it was like a, a, a mind blowing experience. Oh yeah, because it was like oh I can just put it in the basket. Yeah, you know it's like I don't have to like throw it up at the rim and just hope that I did it in the same area as last time. This is the thing I was so confused about is because this happened my whole life where I, like I'd be trying to practice my shot and I'm just like cannot figure this out and then at one point I get out of frustration I just throw it up. And it goes in, and I'm like, what the? F-? I would get furious. And then, you know, I finally realized it's like, I know how to shoot a basketball. It's not that complicated. I'm not, I can't perfect it. Yeah. Right. But I know the basics of how to do it physically. And if I just throw it up there and focus on the basket, I'm more than likely going to make the shot um, and not make it. Yeah. Than if I was trying to think about it while I was doing it. So when I, even when after learning that, it felt so weird, I couldn't understand it because I was trying to, <laughs> I was trying to still intellectualize it on the back end. I'd be like, why can't I remember shooting the ball when I make it? It's almost like you shoot it and you like start shooting and then the next thing you know, you're like this and the ball's in the hoop. Yeah. And I'm just like, how am I supposed to remember how to do that again <laughs> if I can't remember it? And it didn't like occur to me. It's like it does. You don't need to remember what you're doing while you're doing it. You just need to do it. Yeah. That's a tough thing for people to understand about life, period, because yeah. I think people have this fantasy of being in control yeah. of the moment or um, what it means to be in the zone. You know, it's like when you're in the zone, you're like a zombie to yeah. the zone. You're giving yourself to the moment. You don't have time to also be steering the moment, mm-hmm. you know, which is a really complicated thing. That's um, Ansley. By the way, are you winning bets with yourself with how long it took two black people to start talking about <laughs> basketball? <laughs> like when he when he said jump shot, you were like, yes. <laughs> I did take note. <laughs> it all comes back to basketball with me at some point. Yeah, yeah. Because it's, it's the most relatable thing that I do. Yeah, <laughs> so people are just like. You're 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 a shocking ball is life guy. Yeah, it's it shocks me as well. Yeah, <laughs> I'm always like 
But it puts me in a situation where I'm like, sometimes I'm just like, I don't want to talk about basketball in front of these people because because <laughs> then they're going to be like, okay, where did you play? And I was like, 26th Street. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, it's not, I don't have a lot of credibility. Yeah, that's fair. And it's, um, all right. So how did you learn to overcome fear? Uh, I did not. What? Yeah. You scared? Yeah. Why are you so scared? Because it's scary. <laughs> <laughs> no, nah, I mean, it's just like I'm scared of certain things. Like, this is the thing is like why I had to stop smoking weed when I was like after college is because it like, it's like the same thing, like letting go. I lose control of my thought process. And if I hit any kind of negative track, it's very difficult to like get off of it. And now I'm resisting it. And now I'm having a panic attack. So I mostly like, I don't know exactly what I'm, uh, I'm afraid of. I think I'm afraid of putting myself in certain situations because I know once I get into one of those awkward, tense situations, it's going it, to, it takes a long time for me to like recover from it. It's a weird thing to hear a comedian say yeah. as a non-comedian. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Uh, with comedy, uh, I think with comedy, I tend to not take it as personally when things go weird. I probably more blame it on the audience. I'm like, that's their fault. (laughs) Where maybe in real life, I would take it more like I fucked this up. When I'm on stage, I don't feel I'm like, I'm like, this is this is what happens up here. It gets weird sometimes. What is an example of a situation that you would be in where you're like, this would be a fearful like this. This is this would be a terrifying like prototypical terrifying situation for me um, I mean, you can make it up it doesn't have to be something that really happened i'm trying to think of what i've been doing lately because <laughs> um, it all scares me <laughs> wake <yeah>. it up <laughs> eating breakfast <laughs> um i don't know i can't think right now of something maybe i'm not as scared as i used to be because i'm like i'm uh I don't know. I don't think fear is a big motive. I don't know. I haven't been doing anything. <laughs> yeah. I haven't been out of my comfort zone in a while because because of, obviously because of the um the quarantine and the shutdown and things are kind of still moving back slowly and so I'm like would it be like social situations like going to the bar and like I hate going and, to the bar because I yeah. I I don't know how to relate to, I'm not a mime. I can't like <laughs> do this or you're trying to talk to people and it's like I need to be able to have a conversation with people. So I like, don't what do you like mean I'm not a mime? Like you like because the music is so loud and yeah, everything? Yeah. Yeah. So it's like I can't really I haven't been back in a bar like socially really hardly at all since things have opened back up because I never like it always caused me a lot of anxiety because I can't communicate i'm like i'm always about communicating yeah and you know my knees are fucked up so i can't (laughs) dance like i used to so it's like i don't have anything else to offer except to talk to people you gotta save those knees for the jump shots yeah yeah (laughs) i got like six a week i can get up (laughs) all right so you so you i mean do you feel like you just avoid a lot of situations then the thing is, especially, and this is like maybe a Delaware thing. I don't have to avoid things. I just, 
I just don't leave. It's like 45 <laughs> minutes to get anywhere. So it's just like, it's like I got to go do something that I'm afraid of. And I also have to drive for an hour. Like it's, it's too much. And I think there's a lot of things that I just don't leave my comfort zone just because it's, uh, it's so inconvenient. <laughs> your, your comfort zone has like an actual geography to it. <laughs> <laughs> like it's the state like, of Delaware. It's, like yeah. this, it's just the marsh that's around. Yeah, we could like GPS it. <laughs> yeah, because it's like 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 I've been I was flying this weekend. This is only the second time I've ever flew. Yeah. I've never really been on a plane that much and I don't really travel. I haven't left the country. You know. Delaware is a very like cozy place. Yeah. So was it scary for you to fly? It wasn't scary. Uh it wasn't like the first two, first time I fly, it wasn't scary at all, but it was like a weird new. I didn't realize how like fast the plane goes when it's taking off. It's like yeah. it's like it's being launched out of a rocket. I was like, I didn't know about that. They didn't. You can't feel that. Nobody felt the need to tell you. No, you, go well, you fast. can't feel that in the movie theater. Yeah. But you see people like go back, you know, like in the movie. Like yeah, but right? they're always like. In in danger, you know what I mean. It was like it's never like. You thought that was a fear move. Yeah, it was like most movies when they're just taking off. Everybody's like, all right, we're going, we're on our way out of here. And then only time you see in the movies where it's crazy is like they're running away from someone. They're being shot at by some Nazis and they gotta take off. That's fair. Yeah. So like, was that was it? It quickly dispersed me. Like, oh oh shit, nobody else is okay. We're good. Yeah. So I was fine except this. The flight back from Indianapolis this time, the plane was like shaking like and like it felt and i'm sitting i'm sitting like right next to the engine i can like see it and there's always like this there's this feeling sometimes where it feels like uh like the plane is stalling out i know that can't be happening because (laughs) nobody else is freaking out but it's like it feels like the plane is like oh like that like it's like like, the (laughs) air pocket thing yeah yeah. and i'm just like is that normal nobody else is yeah it's a little turbulent yeah you're a little turbulent i expect turbulence to be like (laughs) Like there has to be like a hurricane or something. Like I didn't think you could just have turbulence <laughs> on like a clear sunny day. <laughs> so I was like, there's something wrong with the plane. I guess that's, that's like in movies. If there's yeah. ever turbulence on a clear sunny day, it's also with a guy who has like something wrong with his brain. Yeah. So it's yeah. like making him yeah. more paranoid. You know. Yeah. Well, that's like a thing about movies, especially if you we watch so much more movies and television than we than people did. You know, 50, 60 years ago. It's like hard whenever you're in like an actual traumatic experience, it feels unreal because you're used to experiencing it in the third person watching it in a movie with music to signal how to feel and cuts and zooms on that action. And so when something crazy happens in real life, and you're just kind of watching it in standstill. You're just like, is this is this really happening? Should I be more? Where's the, you know? You're waiting for like the the orchestra to come yeah. in. You know? Yeah, yeah, that is. I mean, I feel like that happens to a lot of people. I yeah. feel like a lot of people take their their social cues from movies, so that like when a person is telling them a lie, you should be able to look at their face and see that they're lying. Yeah, but like yeah. they're trying to show an audience that they're lying, not the person they're lying to that they're lying. You know what I mean? Yeah, people in the movies are like, uh, it's like the sarcasm is really 
Yeah, my my favorite thing yeah. in the movie is when it's like, oh yeah, I'm a good person, and then they hug. Yeah. And while they're like, they're hug, you can see like the bad person's eyes, and they just like they have yeah, like evil glimpse. eyes. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's like it's some people glimpse. were like uh, expecting like the Michael Jackson at the end of Thriller with the yellow. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. He's like, nah. Some people are just they look just like you, and they are plotting against you. <laughs> nonstop, yeah. nonstop plotting. Yeah. Nonstop. All right. So um, I'm not gonna lie to you. I think this is the first time this has ever happened. But uh, your your fear chakra is is that's a closed chakra for you, buddy. What do you mean? Yeah. So what we do is we go through the chakras on the show from uh-huh. from uh, bottom to top, and uh, the survival chakra, the fear chakra, is um, you you have to face and overcome your fear in order for that chakra to be open. Oh yeah. And if you're still. Uh, Oh no! Still- I would have to go deep into some shit. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah it's not going. We'll you don't have maybe any, in a couple there's years. Nothing in you that's like I need to. I want to do that. Um, you know, when I was flying, um, this weekend, I was thinking about how I hate roller coasters, and I was kind of excited about. You know, I was like looking forward to it this time of like getting on the plane and experiencing the takeoff. Because before it was unexpected, and now I was kind of like, well, now I can anticipate it, and now I want to like really. I got a window seat, so I got to look out, and so where before I was a little terrified, this time I was like amped for it. And you know, I don't like getting on roller coasters, so maybe I was thinking, well, maybe I could try to get on a roller coaster again. But my problem with that is not so much the fear, other than I I have no reason to get on a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> like getting on a plane is exciting because I have to go to Indianapolis. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a reason to be there. But if I had to experience all that all that tension and, and craziness for absolutely no reason except for, you know, I already bought these tickets to Six Flags, so I have to, that would I don't know how much of that is fear and how much is that's just annoyed. Yeah. <laughs> we went to uh I took uh the kids to a haunted yeah. like, attraction this weekend. Yeah. And um People were like, did you, and like, does Sydney want to come? And I was like, I didn't even ask him. Just like, <laughs> I feel like he'd be like, why would I want to do that? Yeah. I mean, I would have, I wanted to go though. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know, but no, you, you didn't, I would, it would have been nice to be asked. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. I, I felt yeah. wronged by that. By the yeah, way. yeah. Did you? When, yeah. I, yeah. when I was working for juvenile probation, one time we took the kids to, um, like the Fright Town or whatever it is they have down in Middletown. And we first we took the kids into the haunted house and one of the girls started freaking the fuck out. And this was <laughs> the least scariest haunted house I've ever been in in my life. I was just like, this is nothing. So she wanted to leave. I take her out of there and she's like, I don't want to do any more of that. I said, you know what? I'll hang out with you all night. Whatever you want to do, it'll be fine. Now, I'm thinking because she was scared of this shitty haunted house. That all she wants to do is eat cotton candy and throw fucking beanie babies for the rest of the night. She was like, I want to get on that. She wanted to get on that damn ship. The one that oh, goes yeah. all the way up. And I was like, oh, fuck. The, the swing back and forth. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, what are we doing? She's like, I want to get all the way in the back. Like, all the way. <laughs> like, I have never, that was probably the most in my life that I've ever felt a fear of death. Yeah. Just like looking straight down. And I'm like, I want this to stop. <laughs> I'm on this thing because I didn't, I didn't, I don't know this girl enough. I didn't know I should have asked questions. And I just like wanted it to be over because it was just like an overwhelming, uh, what do you call that? Adrenaline. Yeah. That I can't do anything with. 
I don't mind having adrenaline when I can do something with it, like playing a game or a sport, but it's like I don't like being tied into something and having to experience adrenaline against my will. It feels like abuse. <laughs> I know I know a place in New Jersey where they have that uh, yeah. that ride very close to a basketball court. You can go do that ride and then just go fucking light up a court. Yeah, pretty sick. Yeah. Get all the adrenaline yeah. stored up. Yeah. Because like I like driving like superhero. I like driving go karts. And if I do do it, I break all the rules and I get yelled at, <laughs> okay. which is something I usually do not do anything to lead to me getting yelled at. But whatever go karts, I just get. <laughs> they bring it out of you. What, is, what rules do they have you when you're driving go karts? It's like, like stay in the stay in the road like, and don't hit people. They said you can't. Um, it was like a slick track, and they said you can't um, corner people off. Like I don't, I can't remember the the word for that. It's like you know when you like cut somebody off at the corner sure yeah so i kept doing that to my cousin it was just him and me on the track and my cousin still complains about this he's like you cheated they told you not to do that i'm like they didn't tell me not to do that because it was an unfair skill they told me not to do that because it was risky so i still beat you it's not like i took an unfair advantage Ooh, (laughs) wow it was a safety issue and we got home a lot so I won like three times. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I'm not going to get into this little squabble between you and your cousin, but he's right. <laughs> your cousin is 100% right. That is cheating. <laughs> because he's too scared to break the rules. That's my fault. I mean... I, listen, I don't know what your house... That's what I'm saying. I don't know what your house rules are. I don't know what your family rules are, you know, but, uh, you know, from a technical standpoint. I mean, that was a very, it was a very eloquent argument. Yeah. Yeah, but he was right. Ten points. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so here, so this is a, a fun section, and this is where we're just moving up the chakra chain yeah. right now, and this uh, we call this my bad. This is where you get an opportunity to apologize to any person, place, or thing, which is a noun. Mm-hmm. You should know that. Okay. Yes. <laughs> uh, and, it, and it helps you just get your energy set back to neutral. It could like they couldn't it, know that they deserve it or not. You know, it doesn't ma- it doesn't matter where it comes from, but just get this off your chest. I guess I'll, I'll apologize to my aunt's bird who I spit in his face. <laughs> <laughs> on purpose? Yeah, on purpose. I didn't like those birds. You were beefing with a bird? I was beefing with all 15 birds that were in that house. <laughs> so my cousin used to take them out of the, the uh out of their uh whatever their cages and like threaten me with them because he had like these big ass african parrots and they were mean how do you threaten a person with a bird <laughs> you would corner like, me was he holding it to the side it? <laughs> it was like emotional ransom and i didn't want to go back to my great grandmother's house i was like i guess i'll deal with this bird threat <laughs> wait so he was he just had the bird and yeah. was like putting it in your face yeah <laughs> what, what was it a like would it do things to people with the bird haul off it was and, like, just like snip? some of the birds had different personalities there was one that named that was named malcolm that was very mean and i was like if he got anywhere near like opening up his cage i would leave is malcolm the, the one whose face you spit in yes <laughs> <laughs> would he yell or would he claw like or he'd like he hit was just you with like he had bad intentions he was like a horsefly <laughs> of like a bird you know what I mean? <laughs> you spit birds. Bad intentions. This is, this is so crazy. Oh my God. I, I can't. 
and you're like, and you're like, nah, this fucker had it coming. <laughs> 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 this is, this is incredible. All right, so there's 15 birds. All right, so you, yeah. make sure uh, you can move this over Sorry, to you. Yeah. So you have 15 birds in this house, and somehow Malcolm is the like the, the one. Dick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he's, so he's just one dick bird. Yeah. <laughs> right. So the rest of them were pretty cool, and it was like some most of them were parakeets. They they were harmless. Like small know. birds. Yeah. He's the biggest bird. He wasn't the biggest one. He was the Joe Pesci of the birds. <laughs> no. He was like there was a the Nero bird, there was a Rayliota bird, and then he was the Pesci. Okay, so what was the, uh, the on the day leading up to when you spit in Malcolm's face? I don't remember. I think I we were just alone. I had him <laughs> alone. <laughs> yeah. was, immediately after I spit on him, I was like, "Oh what, shit!" Because <laughs> I'm like, I can't open his cage and wipe it off because he'll kill me. <laughs> it was like yeah. a loogie, like hanging. Yeah, on him. Oh, you, you got him good. I got him bad. So what, I mean, did they find like a dried up loogie on his face later? <laughs> I never on? heard anything. <laughs> have you? Have you? Did you ever tell your great grandma that you spit on her bird? No, this is my aunt's bird, oh, your and aunt's bird. she would. She can't see this, but <laughs> yeah. So she has no idea. No, Have but you ever she told was pretty mean to me too. She was very mean to me when we went With to the, the Ben Franklin. The yeah, when we went to the Ben Franklin Institute, she was very, very cruel. So <laughs> I spit in her bird's face. <laughs> she was cruel to you yeah. at the Franklin Institute, yeah. which is a science museum, basically, yes. <laughs> where you get to experience and learn about science yeah. and. How was she cruel to you? I think it was, you know, her and my mother weren't getting along. And my basically, me and my cousin went to this summer camp that was near where my family was from. And every year was like a different one of my aunts was running this camp. And it was this year was my, uh, um, my Aunt Judy. And we went to the Ben Franklin Institute and I think she was like so worried about if anything happened to me that my mother was going to fucking throw a fit. She decided she wasn't going to let me do anything. Mm. So she like kept me under lock and key for the entire day while everybody else was running around having fun. Uh. <laughs> Man. I, I didn't get over that for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was different in my head, but I'm yeah. glad you explained. <laughs> yeah, that was uh, all right. Cool, cool, cool. So you, then you spit in a bird's face. Yeah. So you're really spitting in Judy's face. It's not. Let's. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but no, that's a good. Do you feel better apologizing about that? Oh. Spit in her, I mean, have you ever? I've never heard this. Story it's before. an apology for Malcolm, or is it for Aunt Judy? I think I feel bad about spitting in a living creature's face. I okay. think it was unnecessary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's no. like that is um like bad guy in a Disney movie shit. Hawking <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> Lukies in a beautiful African bird's face. <laughs> I don't know if that one was African. It might have been South yeah. American. <laughs> <laughs> it's also like a beautiful bird that's like in somebody's house. In a cage. Like, yeah, in a cage. <laughs> He's already in a cage. Yeah, man. That's uh but yeah, does that does that does that feel good to get that off your chest? Because and and tell like I've never have you told people that before? Have you ever No. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. We, we that happens a lot here. Yeah. I'm glad you got that off your chest. That was a hilarious thing to find out about you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, um, what what have you learned from disappointment? And can you think of when you were the most disappointed in yourself? Um, I think uh, when I left college after 
my undergrad, I, first of all, I didn't really graduate right away because I still needed like two science credits and I owed the university money. And <laughs> Did you have like a, uh, was science a trigger you for you after the Franklin Institute situation? <laughs> <laughs> like you just couldn't hack science? <laughs> I just didn't like science. I was trying to avoid <laughs> taking science at the, at the, um, at the collegiate level. I barely got through math my freshman year. So I was just like, let me take like a year before I do any more STEM yeah anything <laughs> and i took taking a science class i took like this class on natural disasters but it, it didn't have a lab so it didn't count for that group d credit so i had to like take two that sounds like an aunt judy approved science <laughs> class There's no lab no chance to yeah. get in yeah, hygiene. <laughs> so yeah i went to uh so i like took two more classes at del tech to like finish um getting my bachelor's degree and then i didn't have it's still for like another year so if like i left the university of delaware in 2009 my degree says i graduated in 2011 because that's how <laughs> long it took me to like complete science yeah <laughs> not the science i got the science classes out of the way but i like owed the university money it wasn't even that much money and i just like wouldn't whenever it would like come up around people who didn't know me, they were like, why don't you have your degree? And I was like, oh, University of Delaware, a couple hundred dollars. And they were like, what the fuck? <laughs> I was like working at a supermarket, stocking shelves. They were like, you need to get out of here right now and pay them. And I'm just like, I don't have, I work here. <laughs> I don't have anything. Wait, so your, your disappointment was in how long that took? It was that I wasn't prepared to finish college, to move on after college, that, you know, it took me to, like, I was 23 to, like, get, like, a, an adult, my first adult job. I was still working in retail. And uh, it just, I felt really behind. Everyone that I went to college with was, you know, buying a house and, you know, getting married and uh, had, you know, disposable income and going on trips. <laughs> and I was, like, showing up at their house parties in my, like, 1997 Nissan 200SX that had the back muffler hanging out of it like a, like a bunch of wedding cans. <laughs> and, you know, it was... Uh, and, and no jump shot at this point. <laughs> <laughs> no but the defense was... <laughs> I was shutting people down. <laughs> but, yeah, that was just, like... It was embarrassing that I, and then like I wished that I had, but I just wasn't in my right mind at the time to like make rational decisions about it. So how did you get over that disappointment and do you find yourself in, in a disappointment cycle often or you, do you avoid it? I think it? after like eight years of, you know, being a professional now, you know, being a teacher and getting my master's degree, I'm over that. Mm -hmm. I've, I've caught up <laughs> to some extent but i think my my disappointment now is probably more to do with my finances which is still a problem to this day there's a lot of financial decisions which i wish i had done differently um so yeah that's disappointing or an embarrassment <laughs> or regret maybe it's regret yeah this is a lesson i do in one of my classes we do a class about past modals of regret i should have i could have would have like the um the uh the scene from on the waterfront with marlon brando and he's like i could have been a contender yeah you know, i could have been a champion and stuff like that so it's like i had my students discuss that and um i was thinking about it 
recently, I was just like, I don't know how helpful this is for me to make my students talk about their regrets because there's like no resolution to the assignment <laughs> <laughs> whatsoever. I'm just like, talk about some things that you feel bad about and then uh, here's Go some homework. <laughs> and we're going to have, a, gonna have a, a listening test. You have to listen to other people talk about their regrets and you need to understand. <laughs> and uh, so I yeah. got to fix that. It's kind of funny. Yeah. So, um, all right, so I, I feel like you, and then so how do you, how do you handle moving forward with disappointment or getting beyond disappointment? Well, you know what helps me with it now, because like I'll in my head I'll be like, oh, I'm 34, I'm still living with my mother again, my credit's all fucked up, um, I'm not where I want to be in my career, in my you know relationships with comedy, with any of this, and I'm like, you know, I get this idea where I'm like, it's too late. I'm way too far behind. So many people I know have advanced so far behind me. And then I remember that I was thinking that same thing when I was 22. And it definitely wasn't true then. Yeah. So I'm having the same irrational thought. It's the same thought process. So if I was thinking that when I was 22, that was wrong. So it's probably wrong now. Okay. When did you start studying Taoism? Uh, like, when did you get into that? Uh, I think the first time was when I was in grad school, we had a teacher come to us and do a lesson. It wasn't really about Taoism. It was about Tai Chi, but I think they're related mm -hmm. in philosophy. So he was talking about in terms of classroom management, which is, you know, don't resist, you know, uh, don't get, don't feel like in the classroom that you have to control everything because that's going to make you anxious and it's going to make you bitter and resentful and you're going to get angrier and you're going to be reactionary, which is going to upset your students and it's just going to create a bad um, environment. So I tried to like apply that to how I teach. I can when, you know, it's my class, but it's like when you're a substitute teacher, which I've done that too, there's nothing to, there's nothing to do except just watch students and wonder if you should tell them to stop. You're, doing what you're, doing. <laughs> you're just looking at them. should they stop that should i say something should they stop and it's like it's just like an hour of that it feels like it's two years and i don't recommend it yeah <laughs> were you connecting something when you asked that question well, i was wondering i don't i don't know enough about taoism but like is do they speak of like you know it's like let things go right like do yeah. they speak of things in terms of like it's like your journey that you're on like that you're not like like they, when I think about letting things go, it's like that you're not having a start and a start and a finish to where you're going and where mm -hmm. you're coming from, right? It's more just the experience and the journey and the moment. And so I just didn't know if there was any of that to. Angela's a big reality TV watcher, so she needs to know if there's a journey. <laughs> is there a journey? Does does Dallas have, have a journey? Like before I before I look up Dallasum, is there a journey? <laughs> I think Dallasum is not so much about like. A process but just a way of kind of living it's always talking about i think the the towel i think it translates roughly as the way right and it means like you know that that there's not some it's not like a like a biblical religion in the sense where there's like these rules and this is the way you're supposed to live your life with taoism it's more like there is a way and it's not about doing certain things or following certain steps or following certain rules. It's about 
connecting with now and just flowing with it. And that's the correct way. Gotcha. Is that a, is that a, you're like, I, I, think I can make enough? a journey out of that. <laughs> Yeah, I can, I, can journey, no, I can journeyfy that. There's no, there's no call to adventure. <laughs> All right, I think we're doing good. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That first chakra still closed. Sorry, that's a closed butthole, by the way. That is, that's where the, that's where that chakra is associated with. That's usually our specialty too. So maybe there's oh, still hope. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We can. Yeah. That butthole chakra might open by the end of this. It's. uh I doubt it though. Yeah. <laughs> You're talking about the fear yeah. one still? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah we're not. But we're good. We're like, bam. Uh, <laughs> second chakra, third chakra. Yeah. Fourth yeah. chakra. Let's see what we got here. Ready for this? Mm-hmm. So, what have you learned from grief? And if you don't mind, you, uh, you know, what experience taught you that? Um. And of course, we don't expect you to just like pour out. Yeah, you yeah, know, like, yeah. You know, but just like what? But if whatever you're comfortable ex- expressing in regards to that question. I think like, you know, my father died a couple of years ago and uh, I still haven't really reckoned with that. Mm-hmm. It was just like a really painful, slow process. He had uh, lung cancer and uh, there were, I think there was like, um, you know, months after where I was like really like psychologically haunted by it and like had to like push it out of my mind um and i think because of that experience i still haven't really been able to go back and i really feel like i like don't even really think about my father that much just because of like how bad it was for me like right after he died um uh so yeah that was something that i need to kind of go back (laughs) and re uh was it was it Harder watching him go through the process, or was it harder at the very like losing him? No, it was harder. The process was hard. Yeah, it took a long time, and he had a stroke, so he couldn't talk. So we couldn't talk. We couldn't have a conversation. I couldn't speak to him. So it was like I would go visit him, you know, pretty much every day in the hospital or at you know when he was staying with my aunt's house, and it was just like you feel really guilty because I'm just like, how long should I stay here with him? We can't talk. Mm-hmm. can't really do anything for him and uh you know if it just felt it was like a lot of guilt you know mm-hmm. because i'm just like is i don't like i said like i need like i was talking about like the bar earlier like i need to communicate that was like my relationship with anybody i'm really close to is about conversation yeah and not being able to do that is kind of like not being able to get closure for something and that that not getting closure lasts six months. Yeah. Yeah. So <clears throat> if you were to apply what you learned from the Tao, what you've been applying from the Tao mm-hmm. to handling your grief, what would that look like? Would be to uh, you know, not try to frustrate myself thinking about what do I need to do in this situation and just, you know, be there and try to find some connection with my father in those moments that, you know, wasn't reliant on words and conversation, but I didn't really know how to do it. You know, I know we kind of like, this is like one of those things where you think about movies where, um, you think about things in terms of like films where like, what does this look like in a movie? There's usually sad music and there's tears and there's sad moments. But like my dad was, 
very furious about the fact that he was dying. He was 64, 65, and it was not, uh, it was not fun to be around him during that time <laughs> because he was just like, you could tell that he was upset and he also didn't have the ability to communicate wow. about it. So yeah. it was just like, it was tense. It was like, this is, uh, you know, my father's in this situation and he's, there's no like, that sounds... it's like trying to get through it with dignity is hard because it was like, he's like, I not, you know, he wasn't ready to go. It was yeah. like really soon. Yeah. That is, that is a wild thing to, to witness and yeah. then have to process and somehow yeah. move through. Yeah. Right. And, uh, yeah, were you gonna say something, Ansel? No, no. Yeah, yeah. I mean, because Ansel, like, intense. yeah, because you know, uh, Ansel yeah. lost her mother recently. Yeah, you know, and it was one of those things where we, you know, you try to look at the silver lining in in this thing that has occurred, yeah. right? Because everybody has to go, and yeah. you know, you can't hold on to the idea of somebody living forever, mm-hmm. you know, because that's like a self imposed prison. Yeah, right. So you start to look at things like, well, it, cause it was sudden yeah. and she, she wasn't, she didn't have failing health at this point. Mm-hmm. You know, w- would you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you know, so it was a very sudden thing and you kind of want to hold on to the idea that, well, at least it wasn't a long drawn out process, mm-hmm. you know, where by the end of it for their own sake, you were hoping that they died, mm-hmm. you know, and good. Yeah, I'll be perfectly honest. The day that he had the stroke, you know, we didn't find out till like a month later that he had stage four cancer, you know, in his lungs. But it was like the day that he had the stroke, and I go to visit my dad in the hospital, and he can't talk, mm-hmm. you know, that day. It felt over then. Yeah. It felt like this is it. He's not going to recover from this. And I think he knew that. And, you know, it was just a long, drawn-out process of, you know, watching him become, like, even more and more of a prisoner in his own body and just having to kind of slow walk it. Was there any information that that you feel like you're able to take from watching him have that experience as if it would be you? Do do you understand what I'm saying? Well, you know, that was something I went through during the pandemic. You know, I was... Uh, during the shutdown, I was very isolated, and um, you know I was drinking a lot, like every day, copious amounts of alcohol, and it got to the point where like my blood pressure was getting really high, I was having inflammation in like all of my joints, and I was just like, you know, there was one night where I was laying in bed where I felt like, you know, I might not wake up tomorrow. Or I might, like, have some, like, debilitating, you know, health problem, like, something from the blood pressure, like a stroke. And, you know, at that moment, I'm imagining, you know, my father and how he went out. You know, the stroke basically, you know, crippled him for the last six months of his life. And that was what pushed me to seek out help at that time because I just couldn't put... Just the idea of people seeing me like that was horrifying, and I was like, "I gotta, I gotta do something about this right now," because I knew I couldn't fix it on my own because I was too in the depths of it. 
at that time. Yeah, I mean, that's something, right? I mean, yeah. that's like you're, that's like uh, you know, because I would imagine like since doing that, since not drinking as much as you were at that point, mm-hmm. things are going better for you in a lot of different directions. Yeah, um, or maybe not <laughs> <laughs> it's like hard because it's i mean it's because it's not just the, the there's more problems than the drinking it was uh, all of society stopped moving <laughs> for yeah like six months and i lost a lot of momentum and a lot of things that i was doing and you know i'm trying to get back on track with it yeah okay do you feel like you're in a better position now though to handle like the rigors of trying to advance yourself in comedy than before the pandemic while you were still drinking? Mm, I don't know because it's, it's still comedy has become very cost prohibitive. It always was, but (laughs) it's worse now. The the gas prices are so high, (laughs) you know, it's like you want to travel to do comedy. It's like you get a hotel room for one night. That's everything that you've been paid. You know, yeah, and uh, it's just like it's not so much about to me, it's not so much now about trying to get great at comedy and like, uh, as like, oh, I'm gonna do all these stages and I'm gonna kill and I'm gonna get better and better and stronger as a comic until my talent there is undeniable. That to me seems like not a very useful thing to do in the current <laughs> environment <laughs> is to get great at comedy. I don't know how that would really help me and what I <laughs> want to do because it's, uh, first of all, I've already seen like, you know, all it takes is something like this has happened to like shut that down and lose all that momentum. It's kind of like when you get hurt and you can't exercise, you lose all that muscle. It deflates and it's like, what's the point of building up putting all that energy into building something that's kind of temporary and can go away. And so I'm more concerned with building something more permanent, which is, you know, a fan base or a community or, you know, relationships or a brand. Just out of fear of losing it. Uh, I don't think it's so much just fear so much as I don't want to put a bunch of energy into to things that I that I can't help me at this point in my life trying to be great at stand up. I don't think is going to help me. I don't think there's any reward for it. Yeah. If you, if you were, if you were saying it in a little bit like of a different, with a little bit of a different flavor, you yeah. would sound like a drug dealer in a movie. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, so? I ain't fucking with shit that don't help me anymore. <laughs> Yo, if that shit don't make me, if that shit don't make me paper. <laughs> no, but it was like, I remember I was at punchline, a couple weeks ago, I went to go see Godfrey. And I'm sitting there. First of all, they were like acting like they weren't going to let me in. They said it was like a high profile event. It was Sunday. Yeah. I was like, oh, I'll probably, I was like, all right, I get Godfrey, he's a funny guy, but it's like, it's Sunday. So they finally let me in. I sit there. The people that work in there, I guess they're like, I don't know what the economics of the situation is, but they're like really on their shit about making their money that night. The servers and all them, and they like won't leave me and the other comic alone about making sure we get our two drink minimum and all that stuff, which has never happened to me before <laughs> at a comedy club that I worked at. And I was like, they're really on their shit tonight. And you know, it made me think. I was like, why? 
we are comedians work work in comedy business a comedy club why are these services that work here so much more motivated about getting their paper <laughs> than we are yeah like we're actually the artists that people come here to see you know not they don't come here to see they come here to see comedy they yeah. come to see headliners but they come to see comedy we're the comedians and we just kind of walk in oh, here i'm gonna do my show i'll take my 25 35 dollars and my free chicken tenders and we walk out of there we never think about most people they don't think about business yeah and it's like i need to have i should have the same amount of attitude as her because i'm trying to survive just like she is so she's like you need to buy your two drinks i should be i should have i don't know exactly where that put that energy yeah. <laughs> what direction <laughs> to put it in but i need to have that same kind of self-respect and self-value and determination about it okay so you want you want to be able to have the same self-respect as a comedy club waitress <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if it's self-respect but it's but it's 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 you're trying to reach that comedy club waitress level of ambition <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's definitely not ambition but it's just like uh, i'm not going to go about it the way that she's going about it because i'm not in her position but i think there's a Taoist way of looking at it which yeah. is to not try to force it like i know some people that you know in comedy who are like i gotta get they're trying to get that short-term money mm -hmm. they're like i gotta get paid for this show i gotta get paid for this show i gotta take all these paid gigs and there is like a long-term way of looking at it, which is like i'm gonna take opportunities that are good for me but it may i may not necessarily make money off of it but i think those are those are extremes of being passive and being aggressive about it from a business mindset and i think that there's there's not even a middle ground to find it's like completely like off the the spectrum where you're trying to turn yourself into a business it's like her her doing that coming to me and like giving me a bunch of shit about buying a two drink minimum she's operating from a position of strength because the rules are behind her. Yeah. If I don't buy those drinks, they can get security to throw me out. Now they're not going to do that. <laughs> I would have to be out of my mind to be that unreasonable. Yeah, you so it would never happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I would just leave. But, um, where was I? Going to so the rules are behind her to demand yeah. the money from you. Yeah. So it's like, if how I'm going to make money, to how, yeah, no, if, you, if you're a comedian, <laughs> there's no rules to you getting your money except the ones you make for yourself. <laughs> so it's like you have to create something yourself that gives you a position of strength to operate from. I feel like within a year or two, you're going to be like the wire of stand-up comedy. <laughs> 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 I see this. It's just, it's just like... Again, very articulate, very eloquent, but it just sounded more drug dealery. <laughs> like, how do I, I watch, make people give me money? <laughs> I watch a lot of crime movies <laughs> and TV shows. All I your references. Yeah, yeah. I watch. I'm like, I think I know some yeah. of those. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I watch like clips from The Wire. Like it's like a jukebox on my YouTube <laughs> channel. Like they just come up, they just run. Yeah. <laughs> that I just rewatched Narcos Mexico season two the other day for no reason. <laughs> I think you got your reasons. Yeah. <laughs> Research reasons. So, all right. So this next, uh, by the way, great, great. Thank you for, uh, yeah. you know, uh, giving us your honest grief situation. Mm -hmm. I really appreciate that. Problem. But um, 
So what is, what is your uh, your favorite lie to tell or that you've told? And there's extra karmic points if you un, like reveal a lie that is like currently in rotation. Um, I don't know. Uh, it's nice to be here. <laughs> you know? Wait, you mean here right now? <laughs> I mean, this is, the thing. this is the thing I've been like was struggling with with comedy was like I, was, I think I talked to you about this at the Raven where I'm just like very irritated when I'm at comedy shows and I'm at bar. I don't like being in bars. I don't like being in uh, surrounded by people doing nothing, and uh, so I get frustrated and then I go up on stage and I try to repress that. And try to be friendly and be like, oh, I'm so happy to be here. And like, and it fucks me up because <laughs> I'm like, I can, it's like, it takes a part of your soul out, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So like, I, I feel like, like there's something I've been trying to change is like to not go on stage and lie to the audience and lie to myself about how I'm feeling because it creates distance. What is it that, um, what draws you to comedy? Like, why is that? <laughs> She's why like, why, why are you doing this to yourself? <laughs> um, to me, it's just like, I can't play a musical instrument. I can't sing. I can't uh, physically dance anymore. Not that I would ever have been any constructive <laughs> as a dancer. I was a free former. Um... I like to talk. I like to have conversations. Um, and I like to have interesting conversations. And I like, I, I enjoy illustrating ideas. Yeah. And I think when people laugh at something I've thought of, it's, it's a, it's a confirmation of understanding. It's yeah. like they understood, they understood what I was trying to get at and they appreciated it. And they are a bit impressed about the way I composed it. And to me, that's kind of something that, I don't know, I get high off of it, I guess. Makes sense to me. Yeah, I mean, that's a, that's yeah. a very, re- I mean, that's yeah. like a very <laughs> relatable. Yeah. yeah, so do you want to know why I do comedy? Often. <laughs> 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 yeah, but so, I mean, what, what, uh, what made you ask that question, though? Um, you're, you're just, you're so cerebral, like the way that you approach yeah. life. And I just, I couldn't connect the dots with like yeah, what I, it was it's, that it's sometimes I go up there as the cerebral person and it does not work. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, so it's like, I have to, I have to be in touch with my, some emotion when I'm going up there, which has been harder after the pandemic because, I used to just be excited about doing stand-up, mm-hmm. and I'm not anymore. I have to. It's almost like I was saying to somebody, it's like a like you know a marriage. You have to spice things up to keep things <laughs> you know exciting. I'm having to do that with comedy right now, and that's the same thing as like me trying to create my variety show, and it's like uh, and doing the show that we did at the at the Raven mm-hmm. on Monday. It was like a what was what was it? It was a a riff show. Yeah, like so two it's comedians like, get up on stage yeah, together and just riff. riff off topics. So you can't come up with there with your prepared material. You can't you know do your monologue. So it's just it's a, it makes it more interesting because you know I've been if I tell this joke that I've been telling for six years that I know is funny and it doesn't work, I'm mad. I'm like, why did I even say that? <laughs> what was the purpose of that if people weren't going to laugh? You know? 
So, but like if I just go up there and say something crazy off the cuff, it's like, well, I felt that. That's why I said it. Yeah. So even if people didn't like it, it's like whatever. Yeah. That's uh, all right. So happy to be here. (laughs) 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 Um. All right, so now we are getting up into the cerebral area of okay. the, the podcast. We went through all of the, the physical chakras. Now we're getting into the metaphysical chakras. We're talking third eye shit here, mm-hmm. right? So as you're going through life, what are some things that you uh, would originally thought were separate, but you're learning are the same? Or things that seemed to be two completely separate things, but now through... Uh, perspective you're seeing that those two things are actually one and the same well uh i I think this goes back to what i was talking about with language and performance Mm -hmm. i didn't realize that we need to kind of bring that same mentality from speaking freely to how we perform that makes a lot of sense with stand-up comedy but it's also true with sports with um like, where would that be in sports? Just turning off your mind and just being being reflexive in the moment, mm-hmm. right? And so there's some games that I'm better at that than others. <laughs> Ping pong, I can be very reflective. You don't really have a choice. You have to just kind of react very fast. Yeah. Um, but if you're playing tennis, there's a bigger space. There's more time to think, depending yeah, yeah. on who you're playing against. If you're playing against Serena Williams, then you don't have time <laughs> to think anyway. But... Um, so there's that, but it also applies to, um, to relationships, not just like, you know, I think I found, I found it very difficult to be in the moment with my family. I think I was always emotionally distant with my family and I've had to learn as I've gotten older to be more present and in the moment with them because I just had a lot of trust issues with my family when I was a kid. Mm -hmm. And so, because I always felt like they were like against me or waiting to belittle me. And so I would just fucking, you know, stand in the corner and be quiet. But as I've gotten older, I'll get in there in the mix and talk shit. Yeah. (laughs) Just like, you know, I would with anyone else. And so that helped me become better as a comedian when I saw myself taking that part of my personality and doing it with my family which I didn't really do when I was a kid. I was like afraid to do it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it's like anything like that. It's like, uh, sex, same thing. It's like turning off your brain. I like, can't do it. <laughs> it makes it like impossible. It's like impossible. <laughs> I have no problem with that. I come yeah. very fast. <laughs> <laughs> no um, issue turning off the brain. <laughs> I can't, and like sex is probably the hardest one. Because it's like the most thinking. I can't relate. Like, I don't, know <laughs> what I mean. like, I don't yeah. even know what you would be thinking about. Like when you were like, it's the most thinking. I'm like my I my brain literally said, "What about what?" I know what he's talking about. Like, yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> like I gotta hurry up. He's gonna come. I gotta hurry up. He's gonna come. <laughs> no, it's just like it's I, mean, just, I get why yeah. you're thinking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. The so the, the 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 ideas then that were seem separate but are the same. So you you started off with English, um, like communicate, like language and performance, mm-hmm. right? And then, all right. So I mean, I guess just that. Do you, 
Do you, how, you need a tagline, huh? No, yeah, well, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not looking for a tagline, but it's uh, I'm just like I'm 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 curious like more about like that specific thing, like the like you finding that connection between uh, language and performance specifically because you would think as a person listening to this, like a lot of people that listen to this, they're not comedians, right? Mm-hmm. So they're looking to take everything that they can and apply it to their lives, right? Mm-hmm. So you, what is even separate about language and performance that had to be combined in the first place? Like why wasn't that something that was already a package deal for you? I think I'd, uh, people who know me from work will say I'm a very thoughtful person, which is, um, I think people... I think there's an illusion that people, I think people, people like it if you're thoughtful, if all they, you really do is say hi to them every once in a while. Yeah. (laughs) But if people need you to do something, (laughs) perform a service for them, you know, to be a a leader or to be, you know, uh, uh, you know, a soldier in a situation, whatever it is, if you're talking about sports or talking about, um, performing a task they don't need thoughtful people for that (laughs) (laughs) so it's kind of i kind of always took that as like i was always people always told me i was very thoughtful and i thought that was a good thing yeah but i realized that i was doing it too much (laughs) and sometimes you gotta stop thinking and yeah to really enjoy life but I think I have something in my head that tells me, like, oh, no, do that. People will be mad at you. And it's like people are only mad at you because they know about you. <laughs> <laughs> right, Ansley? <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> it's like, honestly, it's like I, I, I notice this, like, on social media all the time. It's like those people are only mad at you because they saw what you said <laughs> on the Internet. <laughs> if you hadn't have said that, you would still be you. Yeah. You just would be all bottled up. You have less people mad at you, but you're also not out there. <laughs> but like that was you the whole time. It was yeah. just like, like, yeah. Yeah, it's like they, we've been tricked into thinking like that, that that's what people want. And it's like you proved from the last you know six years that, that that's not what people want. People want excitement. They want someone to just go out there off the top of their head. That's why people like freestyle battles. That's why people like crowd work. You know, that's why, you know, People like the real. What, wait, what is the real? Oh, like yeah. the real. Like real shit. Yeah, people saying? like real shit. Okay. Rapper. I mean, drug dealer shit, right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> Get paper, real shit. Yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. So we have, uh, this is the last question. Uh-huh. You ready for this? Okay. So, uh, like, one thing that you can't give up and why is a two-part question. So, one thing, well, three-part question. One thing that you can't give up and why, that's technically one question. So, one thing that you can't give up and why, and then what would giving it up even mean or look like to you? I'm giving you time to be thoughtful. Yeah. I don't want to treat you like all those other motherfuckers. <laughs> I like thoughtful people. We need more of them. Most people appreciate it, but it, it don't 
they don't write checks afterwards. They're like, oh, you're so thoughtful. Here's twenty thousand dollars. Like, it's not. There's nothing. Yeah, I'm not it. paying you for this. Yeah, <laughs> it's just like it's a service you do for people that is not <laughs> actually useful. Yeah, I mean, but, yeah, yeah. So something that you can't give up. Give you a little time to get that brain churning. Uh, something that I can't give up. I um. This is very difficult. Because <laughs> I have guess a I think I think go? it's it's the it's the over <laughs> overthinking of things. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah I, I I I think I've relied on it so long that um. What does it does it keep you safe? Like, what does it do for you? Um. I guess um, what does it do for me? Probably yeah, because you nothing. seem to be really big on having things be more than one thing. Like you know, you're not gonna tell a joke if people don't laugh because like, what does it do for me? Yeah, you know, and there was a lot of things that you wouldn't do because what does it do for me? Yet this is a thing that you do, and don't have a reason like you don't have a something that it does for you. I think I just kind of used to doing it. I think it, um, I think overthinking things allows me to justify stuff or justify where, what I think about it or how, my opinion on something or how I feel about someone. Like one thing that I've noticed that I do sometimes is I'll get into an, I'll get into an argument with people in my head and it'll go on for like, a half an hour and then, <laughs> and then like, yeah you don't get sick of the argument yeah i can do it for like a minute no <laughs> like i'll go like. on i will go i'll write a whole fucking episode of the west wing in my head. <laughs> and uh i thought that you know when i first started doing stand-up there was like a year of me like going back and forth between um being real on stage and expressing something and then uh, lecturing some overwritten nonsense that I thought was very important. And it took me like a year to get out of that because I did not know the difference. I thought it was all coming from the same place. It's all coming from me. Here's a funny idea. Here's another idea that I think is funny. I'll just throw them all out there. And I'm just like, why don't people like, why are people so confused? And it's all about <laughs> clarity. It's like those ideas that are overthought are not clear. And you've done so much thinking around it. You've built like a cocoon of nonsense to kind of obfuscate what you really were trying to say. And so that's why people are looking at you confused because they're like, well, he didn't say anything. He's saying a lot of words, and I don't care. And I feel sorry for him. (laughs) (laughs) Clearly, he doesn't know what he's doing. (laughs) Yeah. So, uh, so then the thing that you feel like you couldn't, you can't give up is overthinking. Yet it's doing nothing for you. What do you think it would look like if you did give up that overthinking? I think I would scare a lot of the white people at my job. (laughs) (laughs) if i just just started saying what i felt like saying all the time are those are those the same things what do you mean like is not overthinking the same thing as saying whatever you want at any moment 
Um, no. But uh, I think there's like that. I think there's another thing that hurts myself. That's really hurts my comedy, is that I really do pick and choose people who I'm willing to like uh, impose my comedic personality onto people. And I think that's why I like had that outlet in stand up because I could go up there on stage and it's like, well, I'm not imposing this on one specific person. It's just, I'm doing this at the show. Yeah. But like in the workplace, there's like, I pick certain people. I'm like, Oh, I can, I can jump out on this person and be a little spastic for a couple minutes and they'll appreciate it. And then there's this other person over here. Well, this will freak them out. And they're going to be like, why is, <laughs> you know, yeah. they'll make a complaint to HR. They're like, Brand is acting crazy. Okay. So, but, Okay, so but you can not overthink and still deal with the person as they need to be dealt with. Yeah, right. I'm just, I'm just like, we're just spitballing here. What, 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 what does a free flowing Brandon Jackson look like? Um, aggressive, and uh, speaks very in very small chunks, <laughs> and there are some of it doesn't really make any sense <laughs> it sounds like when you let go you become my mom <laughs> you sound like my mom you? it's kind of like very terse i use a lot less words my voice probably goes up into like a higher pitch <laughs> and i can get louder do you still I use, like, dictionary words? Like, do you still use, like... Yeah, but it'll just be that one word. There'll be no <laughs> sentence around it. I'll just be like, dichotomy! <laughs> All right, man. So, uh, I mean, that's that's pretty much... That's the podcast. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Do you, do you feel enlightened? <laughs> yeah. Yeah? Yeah? I feel, uh, you know, there were some things I got to talk about that I haven't got to talk about in a long time, so or, or yeah. ever. Yeah. So it was good. And I got to, you know, I'm still, I'm working on this philosophy of, you know, of, of, of Taoism and applying it to my comedy and applying it to my teaching. So it's nice to flesh it out in conversation because. I mean, that's pretty much what we just did. Yeah. Right? Like yeah. Throughout the different aspects of your psyche. Because, you know? yeah, because if I try to do this by myself. Yeah. It'll get really negative real fast. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's just no one else to talk to. All right. Well, uh, Brandon, so do you have, were you going to say something? Oh, no, go ahead. Yeah. So we want to make sure we uh, plug your podcast, mm-hmm. English for Criminals, mm-hmm. right? Everywhere podcasts are. Everywhere. Everywhere. Erwa. Right? <laughs> so, uh, and do you have a Patreon for that? No. It's just. Okay. Uh, I think if my thirty, if I start trying to charge my thirty-five <laughs> listeners, <laughs> the fuck? Yeah, I mean, well, it's funny because like we 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 still have yeah like under a hundred yeah you know, but we're moving and we were at thirty something at one point. Yeah. We're close to a hundred now, so that feels good. Speaking of yeah. our Patreon, check out our Patreon as well. And do you have time to stick around and do the Patreon? Uh yeah. All right, cool. So uh, we're gonna do Brandon's Patreon after this, and uh, we're just gonna hop right in there. So we're not going to do shout outs because we're going to oh. keep this thing moving. Go ahead. Yeah, I want to shout out my show, my variety show. Oh, Punch- absolutely. Oh, yeah. So I'm doing my variety show, which is based on my podcast, Punchline Philly, um, November 21st, which is a Sunday. Um, it is uh, the show. I told you, I think I, oh, you showed up that night at the end. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You saw how fucking high I was after it. Yeah. I was just like so on one. We would talk about like 
letting go and self-actualizing and being myself. That's yeah. you want to see that version. It was of me. high off You'll of a, a job well done, not high yeah. off of drugs. No, I don't. Yeah, yeah. I do not do cocaine. <laughs> okay, <laughs> <laughs> I just sell it. <laughs> yeah, so check that out November twenty third first at the punchline punchlinephilly.com check that out right and uh Anthony, you got anything you want to shout out nah, <laughs> anything I'm good. you want to plug nah we're good all right we're gonna hop over to the patreon we hope you do the same and uh wait, unless anybody wants to sponsor me in the fight oh yeah Anthony has a fight coming up oh wait this is gonna be after the fight oh uh, yeah never mind yeah yeah, 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 yeah. We had to record <laughs> early because Ansley has a fight. We're recording yeah. now because you have a fight. So you missed out on the opportunity to sponsor Ansley's fight. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you. Sure.